this weekend and for the next, for the three weekends, including this weekend, I want to play, pay a particular attention to the subject of love and dating. And uh, tell a person next to you, I'm sure glad you showed up this weekend. This is awesome. <laughs> Love and dating. We've got a lot of work to do, so if you're able to stand, please do so. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Lord, we ask that you bless those who are listening, both here and by way of podcasts and and other means, that you'll open our eyes with fresh insight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give me that towel. So, I've been thinking about this for a while as I've worked through this series. And I've been really trying to calibrate the content here. And so my research team sent me a lot of amazing stuff uh, that really kind of illustrated how radically different dating, the dating field is than it was when I was out there. I've been married for 33 years. Can somebody say radical? It's radically different. So I thought about that. Uh, So then uh, Pastor Tilden sent me a recent series that Pastor Andy Stanley did on dating, and I found some insight there, but mm, I kept praying about it. Finally, I decided that I wanted to personalize the next three weeks of teaching. I want to talk about love and dating from the perspective of what I want to say to my 15-year-old high schooler who's about to turn 16. And I want to I, I, I think about what I want to say to her that will sustain her in the context of love and dating, both in high school, in college, and in graduate school. So if you fit into those categories, I'm talking to you, but I'm really talking to my daughter. I want to teach this series based on the the next three weekends, based on what I want to say to my 28-year-old son, who is not married, not thinking about getting married, to me and his mom's chagrin, because we're wondering when we're going to get some grandkids anyway. (laughs) What do I want to say to Jonathan when it comes to this notion of love, of loving and dating? A few days ago, I was in Boston at my former church uh, preaching a funeral of a beloved mother figure in my life who died at the age of 91. After the service, during the fellowship time, one of my former deacons of that church, because I used to pastor that church, who lost her husband 15 years ago, came up to talk to me. She just turned 70. And she said, Rev, God has just, my heart is now open to date again. And she wanted my advice. 
And we were surrounded by people, so I didn't have a lot of time to tell her to answer some of her questions. And so I got to call her up, and I've got to answer her question. But I'm going to answer some of those questions right here. If you've been married before and was known and then became unmarried for a variety of reasons, and now you're thinking about getting back into the dating, I want to talk to you. But I really want to talk to Mona. And then I've got about uh, 91 couples at the uh, uh, marriage retreat a few weekends ago. And a number of them, you all have come back. A lot of you are sitting here. So I want to say something to you about love and dating. So that's how I'm fashioning our time together uh, uh, as we process this weekend. Uh, I'm getting, getting you geared up because next weekend is Valentine's weekend. We'll definitely get back here next weekend <laughs> and the next three weekends. Somebody shout amen. amen. All right. So what is the first thing I would say to Lauren and Jonathan? These are my kids, my 15-year-old and my 28-year-old when it comes to loving and dating. Here's the first thing I would say. Uh, and it comes, it flows out of this text. This is Jesus is walking uh, up the shoreline. And he begins to speak to those who will become his disciples. And the first thing he does is he says to them, follow me. Everybody shout, follow me. So I would say to my kids, first thing I would say, if you want to really get ready to, to, to date in this culture, you need to first say yes to being a Jesus follower. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, that kind of sounds like preaching. Well, I'm a preacher and I'm talking to my kids. <laughs> I'm telling you what I'm going to tell my kids, all right, about dating that it starts with being a Jesus follower. Somebody shout, why? why? Here's why it starts. Number one, uh, if you are a serious Jesus follower, it will change you into the best version of yourself and if you're going to enter the dating world today you ought to carry the best version of yourself secondly it will change your life if you are Jesus follower you are positioned to discover how to live your best life both on earth and in eternity. And the older I get, the more attention I pay to that in eternity part. Number three, inside of this, you can have your life changed as a Jesus follower, even if you do not yet believe that he's the son of God. Somebody go, wow. Let me give you the insight. He called these disciples, including Matthew. Here's the words. Come follow me. And so they start following him. They are attracted to the power of his personality, the power of his teaching, but they're not quite still sure who he is. About a year and a half later, in chapter 14 of the same book, the disciples find themselves in a storm. And it's about 3 o'clock in the morning. And Jesus comes walking on the water, 
through the haze of the storm. Peter gets out of the boat and tries to walk on the water, starts to drown. Jesus saves him. And then they both get into the boat. And verse 32 and 33 says that as soon as they climb back into the boat with Jesus, uh, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. And here's what they said. You really are the son of God. This is a year and a half after following him. Here's my point. Even if you don't yet believe he's the son of God, follow him anyway. Make him the chief paradigm for your life. I guarantee it will change you and change how you live. And that's the best preparation for getting ready to engage with love and dating. Wow. Change how you live. That's important. Secondly, the second thing I would say to them is... That as a Jesus follower, uh, oh, let me not forget this. Notice the text. Jesus says, follow me and I will make, I'll teach you how to fish for people. All right, let me just say, in context, here's what he means. Follow me, and I'm going to show you how to be a part of my redemptive plan. I'm going to show you how to be a part of bringing redemption into the lives of others. Now, let me just ask, isn't that a great metaphor for dating? Wouldn't you like for your story to include that the people that you dated, that after you left them and went on, you actually left them better than you found them, that dating you was a redemptive experience in their lives? I mean, wouldn't you prefer that rather than the opposite? Ten years later, you run into somebody you dated, you're going down the aisle with your spouse, and you see them, and you go the other aisle. Because you do not want them to reveal how you became one of their worst regrets. And then the other part of this. He says, I'll teach you how to fish for people. Isn't that a great message? Isn't it true that when you go dating, you actually go on fishing? <laughs> Jesus said, I'll teach you how to fish. Now, here is the challenge. This is why you want to allow Jesus to be transforming your life. I'm talking to my kids. Why? Because what is the bait you use to fish with? You. Now, you get this, right? You get that you're using you as a bait to fish with. That's why when you do your online dating, you pick a photo of you five years ago. Why? Because you're using you to fish with. Wouldn't it be great if you could just be honest? You present yourself. All right, second set of points of why I would tell my kids and why I would tell Mona to reaffirm that you need to be a Jesus follower is because when you are a genuine Jesus follower, uh, it uh, creates for you a new mindset. Everybody shout mindset. 
mindset. Romans 12, 1 says it like this. Uh, be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the, by the, by the renewing of your mind. Let me, let me paraphrase it like this. Uh, in the world of dating and love, uh, be you not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, your mindset. So here's two insights. It's true that there are two transformative relational insights that, that, that pops up in the lives of genuine Jesus followers. Here's the first one. The first one is that if you are a genuine Jesus follower, it involves knowing and affirming your worth. Everybody shout, worth. 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 All right, Matthew, who wrote this text, here's what he would say if he was here. He would say, look, I was uh, a tax collector. I was a Jewish tax collector who basically robbed my fellow countrymen and women uh, at, at the behest of their Roman oppressors so that I could get wealthy. So I was only self-absorbed. And, and if he was said, if he's here, he would say, so I was shocked when Jesus came by and said, follow me. In other words, I'm thinking, he picked me. And he didn't even tell me, stop robbing your brothers and sisters. He just said, follow me. Because he knew that if I followed him, come on, it would ultimately transform who I am from a self-absorbed, selfish person. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You may be a self-absorbed, selfish person dating now, but if you follow Jesus... And then Matthew would say, and later I discovered that he actually died on the cross for me. He said that my sense of value went way up. I mean, like, my goodness. All right, let me put it where you can get it. I want my 15-year-old daughter to learn never put your self-value in whether that little boy calls you or not. Because it's not important that he calls you. It's why is he calling you? I want her to learn this. I'm going to talk to her. She's 15, about to be 16. We had a dad and daughter talk. I said, listen, uh, uh, you need to know what Paul teaches us about the love of Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Here's what he says in a very powerful way. He says, for God brought you with a high price. Here it is, economics 101. The way you determine the value of something is how much people are willing to pay for it. And Paul says that God, through his son Jesus, bought you at a high price. He gave his life for you. So you must honor God with your what? Now, here's what I want Lauren to know. Never let anybody treat you like you merchandise. You know what merchandise is, right? Merchandise is something that you acquire, you use for your pleasure, then you throw away. So, Lauren, listen, don't get excited because he called you or asked for your number. Even if he got all them other little girls around him. 
And you think that's a, that ain't no big deal. Don't get excited because he called you cute. Anybody with eyesight can know that. You got to figure out why is he asking for your number, right? Because if he's asking for your number to treat you as merchandise, that's not a compliment. That's an insult. So you got to know your value before you get out there and try to date. Secondly, uh, being a genuine Jesus follower uh, is about knowing and affirming, watch this, the value of others. Here's what Jesus says just before he goes to the cross. It's uh, uh, in John chapter 15, verse 12. Listen to what he says. And he combines these two principles. Watch what he says. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that what? I have loved you. So I've given my life for you, and I want you to be as self-sacrificing and other accommodating uh, in this thing called love for others. In other words, uh, know and affirm the value of others. Let me put it where you can get it. When I talk to my son, this is what I tell him. This is what I want him to know. Boy, you're 28 years old, and I know you're out there dating. All this, all these little girls surrounding you. So let me tell you something. Never treat any of those young girls the way you wouldn't stand for somebody treating your sister. He's very protective of his sister. Uh, some of y'all have single moms, and so I'll say the same thing to you. Never treat any woman the way you would never stand for another man mistreating your mom. Because, because you need to have a sense of, you need to value the worth of others. So I say to Jonathan, even if she doesn't mean anything to you, boy, you better know she means something to Jesus. Then I take it a step further, because I can say this, because he grew up in my house. I said, and, and what's more, you know how to treat women. Because you saw how I treated your mama. And so I do not expect you, come on now, to malign the name Hamilton. Boy, you are Hamilton. Come on, come on. When it comes to treating women, you got to hold up the name Hamilton. Don't you malign us. Right? I'll say this to my daughter. You know what good treatment looked like, don't you? Because you see how I treated your mama. All right, now, for those of you who are married with kids, or single with kids, here's the insight. How you treat your kid's mother will determine to a large degree what they will take and what they won't. And so some of you, you messed up in this area. It's not too late. You need to go to your kids and say, you know what? What you saw, how you saw me miss... I was mistreating your mom. I'm sorry. This is how she should have been. Even if the mama doesn't like you. Because it's not about how she treats you. It's about how you treat her. With respect and dignity. This is what I say to my son and my daughter. Now, 
Andy Stanley has an insight here that I think is really powerful. And I think he nails what's unique about modern day love and dating culture. Here's what he says. He says, most of us focus on finding the right person myth. Everybody say myth. Now by myth, he does not mean, and I certainly do not mean, that uh, you can't find the right person. I'm praying and believing God that those of you who are looking, you will find the right person. Here's what the myth is. The myth is that when I find the right person, life will suddenly be great. And all of my bad habits and insecurities will suddenly disappear. Y'all know that's true? That's how you date. What you talking about? Well, here it is. Some of you say, well, I'm not past. I'm not thinking about getting married. My generation, we don't get married until late 30s, early 40s. I'm thinking about having fun. Uh, I'm thinking about hitting and quitting it. I'm, uh, 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 come on, I, I'm, 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 you know, look, look, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's, it's all about what I can get and what I can get away with. Come on, come on. I, some of you say, I was in a bad relationship. I tried all that stuff you talking about. It just left me wounded. Pastor, I don't have any time for that. A little later on, come on, when I find the right person, then I'll settle down. In the meantime, I'm going to run my game. Come on, in the meantime, I'm going to seduce and lie and get what I can get. In the meantime, come on now, uh, I'm going to be self-absorbed and self-centered and self-focused. In the meantime, I don't have any problem by lying. Uh, I'm going to edit the mold on my face. Come on now, uh, doing the internet because, you know, if I can get in front of her, I'll figure it out from there. Here's the problem. Y'all, you are, this is deep, you want to write it down, you are who you are. Did you get that? (laughs) I must have went too fast for you. (laughs) You are who you are. Whoever you are, come on now, whatever habits you are practicing before you meet him or her, that's who you're going to be after you meet him or her. Come on now. If you're lying before, you're going to be lying after. If you're cheating before, you'll be cheating after. If you're self-absorbed and self-centered and self-focused before, you're going to be self-absorbed, self-centered, and self-focused after. Just standing up and saying, I do. doesn't make all that stuff suddenly just go away. No, baby. No, son. You are who you practice being. And Santa tells a great story in this context. His story tells. He says one of his staff members told him that about five, six years ago, she met this fabulous guy. She came home, couldn't wait to tell her mom. Her mom was ironing a shirt at the time. And she said, Mom, I met this fabulous guy. She says, really? He, she says, he's amazing. She says, he's sensitive. He's caring. He's, oh, my goodness. As a matter of fact, Mom, he's a Christian. I mean, he's a real Christian. 
I mean, he actually tries to do the stuff that y'all talk about in church. I mean, he's really, he's awesome. I mean, he's the guy I've been looking for, she says. Is at that moment the mom stops, looks at her. She says, baby, the problem is guys like that are not looking for girls like you. So here is the insight. Stop focusing on finding and start focusing on becoming the right person, you see. And that lines right up with being a Jesus follower because following Jesus, the focus is on who you are becoming. Here's how I understand it says, and I think it's an accurate way. He says, he said, the challenge is for you to become the person that you're looking for who she or he is looking for. Become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. Focus on becoming. Everybody shout becoming. 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 So how do we do that? Well, let me say a word about my wife here. My wife has a fabulous story to tell. She says when she was an early teenager, she made a commitment to Jesus. And she said to Jesus, whatever you want me to do, if you make it clear to me that that's what you want and it's you, I'll do it. She became a Jesus follower in that moment, early teenage years. Two years later, really the summer before she came to college, we met in college, she was driving with her mom and she was going over her criteria for the person that she'd be looking for. The date. After she finished the criteria, she was shocked to realize that in two years after that commitment, her criteria had radically changed. You see, before her, and I thank God it changed because I wouldn't have, she, she wouldn't have married me. <laughs> uh, before, her criteria was based on the external package. Here's what she said. She said her criteria was she was looking for somebody uh, who was tall. She was looking for somebody who had big muscles. She was looking for somebody who had the face that deserved to be on the front cover of GQ magazine. Uh, 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 and you, you, know, you know, with all of the charisma and all of that stuff to match. Shout external package. But as Jesus began to transform who she was, he began to transform what she looked for. And here's what she told her mom uh, two years later. She said, she said, and she was shocked by the discovery. She said, Mom, I'm looking for somebody who loves God, who loves me. I'm looking for somebody who's going to be a good father to my kids. I'm looking for somebody who, who can be sensitive. And by sensitive, talking about the, the husband-to-be, by sensitive, she meant Gentlemen. Did you hear that? You, no. She was looking for a gentle man. Do you guys know what a gentle man is? Most of us say, oh, that's a weak man. I don't want to be a gentle man. I want to be a dog. <laughs> Used to be a song that said, nothing but the dog in me, baby. 
You, you know what a gentle man is? A gentle man is a man who loans others his strength. Write that down. Reflect on it. Take it home. All right. And so when she got there, come on now to college, the Lord spoke to her to come say hello to me. And then she did. And on our first date, she was checking out, watch this, her new list. She was not looking for the external. She was looking for a list shaped on the content. Some of you keep getting the same thing, keep getting the same thing. Let, let, me, let, me, let me illustrate it like this. What if I brought you a beautiful box? Shout external. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The ribbon is beautiful. I even brought you some flowers with it. And, and, and you say, oh my gosh, it's a great, beautiful box. You take the ribbon off and you lift the, 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 the top and you look in it and there's a skunk. You see, I'm trying to teach my daughter, don't focus on the external box because I don't want you to end up with a skunk. Focus on the internal content. Come on now. I want my son not to focus on the external box, but learn to focus on the internal content. Why? Because I don't want him to end up with a skunk. Now, let me use your same example when I brought you a crumbled up brown paper bag. But you open the paper bag. And there was a 10-carat diamond ring, male or female. You got it. Worth tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, I bet you go put that paper bag in a plaque and frame it somewhere. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, what brings value to the outside is what's on the what? Inside. How many of you are actively looking for what's on the inside? Huh? You keep getting a skunk. All right. Here's the other, here's the other piece. Be, come the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. That's what Rhonda became. Or, if you're married, become the person worth staying for. Shout, staying for. Let me, let me, let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. I'm, I'm back. Let, let, I'll give you the insight. Uh, what's attractive about dating if you don't spoil it by going on the internet and looking up everything you can find? is the allure of discovery. Discovering this person. Watch this. What's attractive about a marriage that stays hot? Come on now. It burns down and gets hot again. Burns down and gets hot again. That's how it works. I've been married 33 years, I know. What's attractive, watch it, is the allure of discovery, but from a different perspective. All right. To understand this, you've got to internalize Jesus' mind-blowing relationship paradigm. 
It's radically different than anything you experience. Here's what he says in John 15. Here's the mind-blowing relational pattern for anyone who's following. Here's what he said. We already looked at the first one. Let's start again. Verse This is my commandment. What? Love each other the same way I have loved you. Keep going. There is no greater love. I'm going to give you the best love that I got. Then to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, what do you command? Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, if you've been around long enough, you know that, that the Greek word behind that love is agape. Everybody shout agape. And you see the meaning of it in this, uh, this notion of laying down your life for another. Here's, what, here's the definition of agape love. It is not a holiday romance love. The, the, the agape love is, is it's, 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 it's sacrificing for the other, accommodating for the other love that freely, everybody shout freely, you can, you can put up under that the word unconditionally, watch this, gives and serves the other. That's what Jesus' crucifixion is. It's, 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 it's sacrificing for the other. It's accommodating us. That's us. We're the other, right? It is that kind of love that freely, unconditionally gives and serves us. Who wouldn't want to be married to somebody like that? Who wouldn't want to date somebody like that? All right, tell you a story. How to keep the marriage hot. Last day evening, it was an accident. It was providence, but accident for this message. My wife came home from Costco. She had a van full of groceries. And she did what she always does. She parks, she calls me, and says, come empty the van. I don't have any problems with it. That's just what I do. I'm, just, I'm happy to do it. So I get up and I go, and I, I bring all the groceries in, put it on the kitchen. But on yesterday, I did something radically different. After putting the groceries in the kitchen, what I typically do once I bring them in is I go back and lay down and watch TV. <laughs> I'm just being honest, being honest. But yesterday, I was reflecting on what an amazing woman she is. And rather than when I put it down, I started unpacking the groceries, started putting them away. My wife looked and she said, oh my. <laughs> she said, I can't believe it. She said, baby, you keep getting better and better. The kitchen got hot, the stove wasn't on. Come on now. All right, what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? Come on now. Uh, 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 she, uh, who she is stimulated me to discover new ways to be self-sacrificing, accommodating the other. Y'all ain't listening. Come on. Unconditionally giving and unconditionally serving. I didn't want anything back. Come on now. It is the allure of discovery. Y'all come on now. And as I did that, come on, it stimulated her to look for new ways, come on, to be sacrificing for the other, uh, self-accommodating for the other, come on, uh, freely giving and serving with no strings attached. And as that cycle works its way around, hot romance is right in the middle, y'all.
by the 33 years. Come on, you don't fire it up by going on a date. Because if the marriage is dead, the date's dead. You fired up by keep discovering new ways to cherish, new ways to surprise, new ways to love. All right, I got to end here. So here's my insight. Model agape love in your dating and in your marriage. Watch this. And look for it. Everybody shout, look for it. Come on, give God a hand praise. Amen. We're finished.